Are you recording? Yes, I'm recording. I'm re- of course I'm recording. How many of these have we done? It's always I come up here last minute making some announcement videos. Speaking of last minute announcement videos, let's get on with some announcements. Hey, coming up this week, lots of cool stuff. Uh, this Monday night, the ladies are uh, starting their Bible study back up. It's a Priscilla Shirer study. Uh, discerning the voice of God in person. Uh, it'll be in one of the upstairs classrooms. Uh, you won't want to miss that, ladies. You can sign up on the app. You can go on the app, scroll down. You'll see Women's Bible Study. Sign up there so they know you're coming. One more youth. That's our youth group. That's for middle schoolers and high schoolers. Uh, 6th to 7th grade all the way through 12th grade. Uh, we'll be meeting here at the church Wednesday, January 12th. 6.30 p.m. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll, we'll have you know music and we'll preach and we'll have cool games. And we even have pizza for that. So uh, grown-ups who are hungry, that's just for youth. Okay, it's just for teenagers. But teenagers, everybody loves pizza. We'll be here this Wednesday, 6.30 p.m. January 19th. Uh, also at 6.30 p.m., we're bringing back our Night Watch event. That's a night of uh, intimate worship and prayer. Uh, it's going to be really good. You guys are welcome to join us for that. That's January 19th here at the church, 6.30 p.m. Keep downloading that app. You guys are doing a great job with that. And uh, hey, I'm excited for church. It's become a thing. We do the, the high-pitched woo sound. You guys, you guys want to do it with me? Okay, three, two, one, woo! All right, welcome those of you joining us online. We're glad to have you. We're getting ready to go here. We're excited. Worship has been awesome this morning, so we're glad that you're with us to enjoy that. Then we'll be looking at Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. So grab your Bibles and uh, get ready because here we go. Good morning. Good morning. You made it. Hooray. I, just barely. Only got here at like 6.50. Yeah, you were late. Yeah. For shame. It's okay. <laughs> I'm here now though, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's all that matters. Well, no, but thank you. Nice thought. Well, I mean, you got here. I did. So that's, yes. I was saying that's what... I, I really enjoy having these awkward conversations with my wife. This is not normally how we talk. It's just for you guys. Just trying to incite laughter. Last so, night. so when you don't laugh, I start sweating. So... <laughs> there we go. Last night, that every was... time I started speaking, he would interrupt me. And it went on for like, I started like five times. It's so much fun. <sighs> Back away. Back away. Here, I'll just turn on the, the button. We're looking forward to spending time with you guys this morning and worshiping the word. I'm going to tell you what will be a tempting to do in case you didn't know. We're going to start things off with communion. And uh, Chaplain Doug is going to lead us through that in just a moment. After communion, we'll have our time of worship. We've really been enjoying our worship time this weekend and looking forward to doing it with our 930 flavor, our spice, our 930 spice. What are we calling it? I was trying not to interrupt you. Our seasoning. Yeah. Uh, Salt and pepper. (laughs) A little garlic in there. After worship, Pastor Georgina will come up and lead the kids through a Bible verse. We'll dismiss them to Sunday school. And then we'll have our time in the Word with Pastor Steve. We're in uh, Encourager Part 2. That's right. Yes. Before we jump into any of that, let's pray together, guys. Holy Spirit, would you come? Papa, we want to be a place where heaven and earth meet. 
Help us to never take it for granted that your spirit is with us wherever we go. That we bring a piece of heaven here on earth with each step that we take. Thank you for all that you're doing in our hearts and our lives, God, and we invite your presence deeper. We want our hearts to beat with your heart, Papa, and we want our feet to go where you go. So help us to draw closer to you. And we join with all the churches around the world where your gospel is preached with this collect. Lord God, receive the prayers of your people who call upon you and grant that we may perceive and know what things we ought to do and also have the grace and power faithfully to perform them. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Chaplain Doug. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it, saying, This is my body. Take and eat in remembrance of me. In the same manner he took the cup. It was the last night of the Passover celebration. The cups of plagues and sanctification had already been poured and celebrated. Jesus takes the third cup, which is the cup of redemption. He said, This is my blood poured out for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. Gathered with his friends that evening, Jesus gives us a lasting ordinance or remembrance, which we call communion or the Lord's table or the Lord's supper. He said, from now on, when you get together and partake of this meal, I want you to remember me. And as his friends gathered here today, we too can partake of this meal, the bread and the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. And we want to remember and give thanks. We want to remember all that Jesus has said and done and promised to do. We want to remember his willingness to go to the cross on our behalf. We want to remember how he defeated death and rose again. And we want to remember with awe and thanksgiving that he's coming back for us soon. So here on the table are the elements of communion, the bread, the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. The table is open to all who believe. So as we worship this morning and you feel led by the spirit, please come partake, remember and give thanks. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chaplain Doug. We're going to enter into worship now, and I'd encourage us all to sing out and to lift our voices. If you're watching online, do the same. Sing out. Uh, everyone here in the room now, I can hear you guys. And uh, when we're up here and we're, we're singing these songs and we're playing our instruments, it's always so encouraging when you guys sing with us. So please do. We'll see the words pop up all over the place. You're welcome to sit, but stand if you're able. We are here for you, Lord.
darkness, my God, that is who you are. Come on, you guys, sing it. Sing it real loud. We want to hear you. Sing it out. Pastor Georgina, would you please come up and teach the children a Bible verse? 
Good morning, boys and girls. So excited to be here with you. Okay, so we have been learning from the most important book in the whole entire world. Who remembers what that is? Very good, Cole. The Bible, right? And we have been learning the true stories in the Bible, right? And yes, we've been studying about Moses and the Israelites, God's people, and how they were delivered by the hand of God from Egypt. And now we see that they have gone to this mountain and they have camped there because God has, wants to give them a covenant. A covenant is an agreement. He wants to make a special agreement with them. So Moses goes up to the mountain to talk to God and God tells him, Moses, go tell my people this, and this is our Bible verse. He says, now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasure possession. Treasure possession, very important stuff, right? And he says that even though I've made everything and everyone belongs to me, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, he tells them. So Moses goes down the mountain, right? And he tells the people, this is what God says. And the people say, tell God that we will do whatever God wants us to do. So then Moses goes back up the mountain and he tells God what the people have said. And then God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. Can I see ten fingers up? Can you? Yeah, ten, because I can't do ten. Yeah, I can only do five. Good. Ten commandments, okay? And the first thing, you're right. I could put the microphone down, and then I'll have ten. You're right. Okay, so four, you're so smart. So four of them have to do with our relationship with God. So God was teaching them and teaching us what relationship with him looks like, right? And it's so kind of God because we don't have to guess. So the first one is God said, do not have any other gods. Then he told them, do not make an idol for yourself. And then he said, do not misuse the name of our God and keep the Sabbath holy. And then the next six, which I can't make six, but you guys can make six, right? Have to do with how we treat one another, right? Because that's very important. God loves us so much. Yes, good job. Thank you. And he wants us to love us to love one another. And so he told them, honor your mother and father. Do not murder. Keep your marriage promises, right? Do not steal. Do not lie. And do not want something that does not belong to you. So after God told Moses all this, he gave him two tablets. And he had written these commands and rules with his own finger. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So God gave us rules to show that he is holy, that there's no one like him, right? And to teach us how a holy people will live. Guess what? Sin separates us from God, but Jesus came to bring us back to God. Isn't that awesome? I know. I'm so excited about that. Okay, so our Bible verse is from Exodus 19.5, and we're all going to say it together. Are you guys ready? Okay, just repeat after me, okay? Exodus 19.5. Now, if you obey me fully, 
and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasure possession. Excellent job, guys. Good job. Children are getting stickers because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And I heard it was Dakota's birthday. Where's Dakota? There. Is it? Okay, cool. All right. So we're going to sing happy birthday to Dakota. All right. Here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Dakota. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. All right. Pastor Jordine is going to pray for the children. All right, guys, we're going to pray, so let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father in heaven, we are so thankful, Lord God, for the great love that you have for us, Lord God, that you don't leave us guessing what it is to love you and what it looks like to love others, Lord God. We thank you for your commands that are so good for us, Lord God, because you know us very well and you know what is good. And I pray that the little ones will look at these rules, these commandments, Lord God, as a gift from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have fun. <laughs> youth group is upstairs with uh, Pastor Billy and Pastor Angie, if you uh, youth types want to go. We'll clean up the fallout later. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Welcome to the vineyard. So glad to have you here. Welcome to those of you joining us online. Happy to have you with us this morning. If you are a first time guest or visitor, that little code that just popped up there is for you. It is a, uh, QR code. If you pointed your smart device at it with a camera on, it will give you a link to our digital connect card, which will ask you for your name, phone number, email address. If you give us those things, you will get over the next four, five, six weeks, a number of texts and emails from us. That's what happens when you do that. Also, we have a gift for all the first time visitors uh, back at guest services. If you didn't get one on the way in, stop by on your way out and you can get one then. We are um, corporately praying for our neighbors, and I want to make sure we continue to do that. You were planted in your neighborhood for many reasons. One of them is to be a light into the world, and, and God will work through you to impact your neighbors. So I want to make sure we're keeping them in prayer. So think about your neighbors for a moment. Get them in your mind, and then let's go to Papa. Lord, we lift up our neighbors to you. And we pray, God, that you would move in their lives in mighty, mighty ways, and that those who don't know you would be drawn to you. And I pray, God, that you would help us to be good neighbors, to love our neighbors well, as we know that's dear to your heart, Lord. And God, that you would bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area, and that hundreds and thousands of people will come to know you as their Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Keep it up. It's making a difference. 
Also, there'll be a code like that that shows up throughout the sermon on the corner of the slides. It will take you right to the fill-in notes. I want to encourage you, if you haven't ever done that, to start doing that. It's a place to add to the notes, fill in the blanks. At the end, they will email it into your account, and you'll have it. And I think that, especially as we go through this series, the way we're doing it, it will have very helpful information for you throughout. So if you see that code and you don't have the little fill-in notes, pop your smart, uh, point your smart device at it with the camera on, and you will have them. We're continuing on in a series we're doing about... Being encouragers, and this is very important to us, the idea of being an encourager. Um, we, we started last week talking about the, the fact that we have a very real enemy who does the opposite. He's a discourager, but we're to be encouragers. We're to put courage into people, and that courage that we're putting into people is to trust and obey God. That's a big, important part. And we looked at Holy Spirit. That's a role of Holy Spirit. He's an encourager, the, the comforter, uh, advocate. Uh, that's the word paraclete, which can also be translated encourager. So he's an encourager. And because we're filled with Holy Spirit, we're to be encouragers as well. And that's what this series is all about. So we're going to dig more into that today. Let's get the bad jokes out of the way. Which is faster? Hot or cold? Hot, because you can catch a cold. (laughs) Now, this one, right on the edge. I may be expanding the edge a little bit, but I laugh forever in my office. What's brown and sounds like a bell? Dung. (laughs) It's on the edge. Apologies to the visitors. That's the one you're going to remember, though. What do you call two guys on top of a window? Kurt and Rod. Kurt and Rod. I'm over it. Scripture reading is here on purpose. I'm going to read out of Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. If you are able, would you please stand for the reading of the word? I pray... That the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Blessed be the word of the Lord. You may be seated. We'll get back into that verse here in a moment. But we're going to focus in this series on a passage that uh, Alice read to you last week from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. And to me, it's, uh, it's one of the ultimate passages on being encouragers and how in order to be an encourager, you have to realize and understand how encouraged we're supposed to be and what's going on in our lives. And so we're, we're going to work through that together. But I said last week, and, and this will be a big part of this whole series, sort of modeling it practically. I said last week that one of the um, biggest ways we're going to encourage the, the world around us is by sharing the wisdom from the Word of God to the world around us. And the only way we can really do that, because here's the wisdom for life. This is everything we need is here. The only way we can really do that is if we know this ourselves. And so I, I encourage you that you 
not only have to read it, which I've been telling you forever and will continue to tell you, you have to read through the book. You have to know the story from beginning to end. You have to. And significant numbers of believers never read it. And we've talked about why the other day and, you know, last week. And there's spiritual dynamics, all kinds. But you have to read it. But beyond that, you have to meditate on it. You have to hang out in it. It's it's not a one-and-done reading. It's 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 divine literature. It's written in a way because because of the amazingness of the scripture, in that the more that you hang out in it, the more is revealed to you. It it builds and it builds and it grows, and you'll begin to make connections over time, and it will excite you and draw you in to reading the word. And so you you have to continually engage it. I said this last week, very important. You have to understand as you read it, this is wisdom, divine wisdom literature. And the newest part of this literature is still 2,000 years old. The oldest part, 3,500 years old. So you can't look at it with your worldview, from your cultural standpoint, and, and try and make it say things that it doesn't say. You have to respect the time and the place and the culture in which it was written. And as you do that, the wisdom, which is still completely applicable to today, begins to come out of it. But if we, if we don't take those things into account when we read it, it will start to say things that we don't, you know, we, it shouldn't, it's not really saying. We'll take things the way that they shouldn't. And so it's important that we're willing to hang out in it and we respect it culturally. It's like if you go to another country, you want to respect their cultures. Um, because if you don't, A, they're not going to like you very much. And B, you really won't experience that country the way that you should. And so it's sort of what's going on here. So we talked about that and how important that dynamic is. Now, another thing that I think is pretty interesting and why we're going to take a passage and really work on it together is that up until about 500 years ago, 600 years ago, the, nobody had their own Bible. Um, until the printing press came along, you couldn't have one of these. All right? And now, we're so used to having it that we almost take it for granted, which is a whole different issue. But the church, for 1,500 years, the way people who got us here knew the Bible was they went to church, and they heard it, and they talked about it, and they memorized it, and when they had questions, they'd ask one another, and, and the relationship would build. And that was the first... 15, 1,600 years of the church. That's how everybody did it. That's why I always try and honor the scripture here. I ask you to stand. And that would have been very much the, what would happen in the church. They would go and they would stand up so they were listening and part of the scripture would be read, whatever part they happen to have, and they would build on it and they would study it and they would memorize it and, and they would take it into their lives that way. Well, we now have access and that's really cool. Don't get me wrong. But we, we need to not lose some of the other things that are happening. And throughout the Bible, you'll see that they, people would gather and the, the, the scripture would be read and explained and they would take it in and memorize it. And that's how they did it forever. So it's a, it's a part of our history and heritage and one that we need to understand. And so I'm going to take these six verses in Hebrews 10 and we're going to take some time just meditating on them. I want to sort of show you what it looks like to meditate on the scripture. But we're going to do it in a very practical way, learning about how to be encouragers. And so we're going to take that in. I'm also doing something. I'm always trying to figure out this step because I, I told you that the church would get together. And then out of the context of, of hanging out in the word together, they would 
develop relationship. And it's difficult in today. So I tried a couple of years ago. I did a thing called Vine Press Questions. And if you had questions, you could answer. But the, there was a lag time in me getting back to people. So here's my new thing. On the website, you can get there through the app. It's called Encourager Training. Or you can go to, the, go to our Bible Institute website, look for Encourager Training. What you can do, if you want, sign up there. And, and there's a forum and you can ask questions and you can comment on things that you're learning and I will be interacting with you and anybody else who gets involved will be interacting with you as well. I think it's going to be fun. So um, if you're interested, that's a way to take this a little step deeper. You don't have to, but just something. It won't take a lot of your time, but it'll help us to engage. And I think it helps remind us of our history and how we got here and very cool things about the church. Okay, so all that's coming and... Uh, we're going to look at this verse, and I'd encourage you over this season to memorize these passages, because you should have them in here. These are important. We've asked, I've asked you to do that before. But uh, Hebrews 10, 19 through 25, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up through us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us, from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And to me, that's a significant part of that passage It's building up to there. Encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So I want to take some time and press into that and meditate on this with you. And it may give you an idea of what it looks like to kind of think about the scripture. It's one thing to read it. I'm all for it. Read the scripture, get it done so you have read it. But beyond that, it's never one and done. You continue to press in and sometimes you're just going to hang out in the scripture. And that's what we're going to do, just like the church used to. And we're going to see what happens. So we're going to start in Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Now, what does it look like to meditate on the scripture? How do you sort of take that? Well, uh, start there. Therefore, first word in the verse and pretty important word. Uh, and and re- they're on purpose. It was help people to remember things and put things in order. But if you've been here for any of the time, you've heard me tell you what a therefore is. And you'll give me the answer in a, in a second. Whenever you see therefore in the Bible, you're supposed to figure out what it's. Thank you. What's it there for? Well, mostly it's there to remind you of what went before it. What, what are we talking about? How do these things connect? Because the scripture connects. And so there's a therefore. And think about it. If you didn't have your own personal Bible and you'd talked about one set of things for a little while and now you'd moved on to something else, you'd want the connection. And this is what's happening. That therefore has a couple of big purposes. One, it's connecting back to a verse in Hebrews 10, uh, particularly verse 17. But I want to read you that in context instead of just picking out the verse. Here's another thing. And just kind of meditate on this for a while. You really should never just read a Bible verse. You should always read a Bible paragraph or a Bible chapter because you want to keep it in context. And context is huge. It's so important that we have context and how it relates into the story. Otherwise, we'll pick cherry-pick verses and take them out of context and we'll use them for purposes they weren't intended. And people on the other side will take 
verses out of context and try and use them against us. Like, oh, your Bible says this. How do you, how do you serve a God that says this? Well, out of context. Context is huge. I always laugh with Alice, so we'll be looking for a new show to watch or something, you know. We watch a lot of the British TV shows. I kind of like them. I have, you know, come from that situation. Uh, my family, we're all from England. Um, and, and so, well, well, here's a series, and, and well, well, okay, that looks like something we could watch. And uh, it's 22 seasons long or something, right? And, and, and she goes, well, let's just start hearing the newest stuff. You know, the HD. I, no. <laughs> I, I got to find out what's happening. And she, I, no, episode one, season one, because something is happening now in season 22 is built on something that happened back then. I just know it. And yeah, this will stand alone, but there's going to be more depth to it if you go back there. Context. It's like, how many of you have seen Star Wars movies? Do you remember the very first view that you went to when the movie started? There'd be this long rolling dialogue that was on the screen before you ever got in the movie. Why was it there? If you didn't have some context, you would have never made sense of that movie. And now they've made all those movies and they all blur together and I can't remember what's what anymore. But context, and, and they're always building on the story. Well, context in the scripture is like that, only much, much better. And so we have to hang on to it. So, verse 17. Also remember this. Hebrews is written to a group of people who Jewish believers who are being so horrifically persecuted that many of them are thinking about getting out. And and all of this is about you can't get out because you got what you had wasn't any good. It wasn't like this. And the persecution is ultimately worth it. And we're written we're remember we looked at scripture the other day. We're being persecuted for following Jesus. It just happens. But you you never want to go back to try and avoid it. It's always going to be worth it. So he writes, uh here I am This is Jesus. I have come to do your will. And he sets aside the first to establish the second. So he's telling the Jewish believers, look, Jesus came and he's improved on by a long shot what you had when you before you had Jesus. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for uh, once for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. So all of the Old Testament sacrificial stuff, it it covered sin, but it didn't take it away. When Jesus comes, see, this is the good news. He actually takes it away. He didn't just cover it up. He took it away. And he's telling these people, you can't go back to what was covered when you're living in what's been taken away. But when this priest has offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. We're going to touch on that again in a minute. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. That's a, you see those things, you should always go back and check. That's a Psalm 110 reference. For by one sacrifice he is made perfect forever. Those who are being made holy, that's us. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them at that time, says the Lord. I'll put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. And then he adds, and this is really where that therefore is getting at. Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. Wow. Therefore, because God does not remember your sin and lawless acts, when he looks at you now, he sees you in the perfection of Jesus. You you are justified, just as if you'd never sinned. That's the relationship that we walk in as believers in Christ. And and it, that's the encouraging news, and what helps us to be encouraging to the world around us is that, that realization, that all of that mess, all of that brokenness that I've done, that I continue to do, God's not seeing me that way. He's seeing me in the perfection of his son. He's not remembering that stuff. Also in that, therefore, is a call to the bigger story. 
It really is. It's, it's like, because these people would have known the whole story, it's so important that we know the bigger story. What do I mean by bigger story? Quickly. And, and you should be able to say this and think about this. The bigger story. God loves us so much that he wants to fellowship with us. He created us to fellowship with us. And he did that in creation in a cosmic temple, the Garden of Eden. And in the Garden of Eden, it was a perfect place. And it was a place where heaven and earth met. That's a big part. God wants to be with us and to dwell with us and we connect. So we had that situation in the Garden. He gave us a vocation. We were going to partner with him. We were going to represent him as his image in the world. And we were going to go into the world in partnership with him. And we were going to make the rest of the planet like Eden. It was good, but not perfect. Eden was perfect. So we were going to go do this and spread this everywhere we go. What we do, you know, the short version of what we do is we ultimately say no to that. We're going to go our own way. And we do what we're told not to do. And everything gets messed up. The fall happens. Things are changed. There's no longer a place where heaven and earth meet. It's gone. Big problem. But God, who continues to move towards us, even though we keep going our own way, and sets his rescue plan in motion. And, and the next thing he does is the big Exodus story where he rescues his people from slavery and bondage, which is a picture of what Jesus will do, brings them into the promised land, all these pictures. And he says, listen, we're going to have a tabernacle. And he gives them instructions for this amazing tent, tabernacle, and he said, I'll be in there. And sure enough, they build the, they make the tent, and the presence of God shows there's a place on earth, once again, where heaven and earth meet. That's huge, all right? And that's the heart of God. That's what he wants. It's not like it was, because now there's limited access, because we're such a mess. But there's a place. And then that moves into an actual temple, but then the people continue to be rebellious. That temple is destroyed. The people go to exile. Got another period of time where there's no heaven and earth connection. Not a good time. And then what happens? Well, Jesus arrives on the scene. Jesus comes, fully God, fully man. He's a picture of a heaven and earth connection. And he even calls himself, he said, I'm a temple. Tear it down, I'll put it back. And then he defeats the power of sin and the power of death, right? That's the, I remember the sins and lawless acts no more. He does that for us. He, he rises again. He goes, sends Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us as believers. What does Paul say that makes us? The temple. Individually and corporately, the church. We're the temple. We're the place where heaven and earth meet. In you is a place where heaven and earth connect. See, that understanding begins to change everything if we'll let it resonate with us. And that's sort of what's happening in this whole passage. And so we have this huge therefore. And so you could look at me and go, you got all that out of the therefore? Yeah. Now, it doesn't take me as long when I'm reading it. Because all that stuff's in there. And I go, oh, okay, they're calling that verse in, and they're calling in the bigger story. But I needed to go through that, too. And we could dwell on that. But he said, therefore. Then what does he say? Brothers and sisters, why is this important? Well, it's a family reference. He's got people who are thinking they're going to bail out. And, and he goes, wait, wait, wait. You're part of the family of God. You can't just walk away from that. This is amazing. You're the sons and daughters of the living God. Therefore, brothers and sisters. That's what he says next, right? And so we're, we're, we're family. Now, he's making some great references here that they would understand. And so in Ephesians 2, consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Members of his family is who we are now. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become what? A holy temple. You've got to look for this language throughout the story. There it is. A place where heaven and earth meet. 
And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling, a place where heaven and earth meets, in which God lives by his spirit. So you're the family of God. And it makes a huge, huge difference in what's happening in our lives. But this whole picture of family and temple would draw you back to another passage of Old Testament scripture we've looked at over the last few years several times. It's the Second Samuel 7 passage. And I, I think in at least four series I've talked about this particular passage. And what this passage is, is that David, King David, wants to build a temple for God. And because he's got, David's got a place and he doesn't think it's right that God's hanging out in a tent. Although it's a really cool tent. Anyway. <laughs> but I, I got it. And so he wants to build it and he talks to Nathan the prophet. Nathan goes and talks to God and Nathan comes back up talking to God. And God says, no, uh, I don't want you to build this house for me. And, and he's going to weave into this passage a story about a, a house and a family in what's going on. And he's going to be talking about Jesus and Solomon in this amazing passage. And so the Lord declares that he, the Lord himself, will establish a house, a family. Both those things are in there for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you. Now that passage... Back then, it, it was something they looked at, but in light of what Jesus has done, when the New Testament writers look back, they saw something in there they couldn't see until they understood what Jesus has done. That word there is actually, I will resurrect your offspring after you. It's a picture of Jesus and what was going to happen way back there, because it's not news to God that that's how it was going, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish his throne forever. Family. He's, he's the one that the family is going to come through that lasts forever. And then Solomon is going to build a house, and he's weaved into the story. I'll be his father. He'll be my son. And when he does wrong, I'll punish him with a rod wielded by men, with floggings afflicted by human hands. Because we know Jesus didn't do wrong, but he does take on. All of the mess of the world. But my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house, your household, your family, and your kingdom will endure forever because, uh, because of me, before me. Your throne will be established forever. So we have this whole other story going on. So therefore, big, big story. Brothers and sisters, part of the family of God, we have confidence is what comes next. Because of this, because of... Being the family of God and all the things that Jesus has been doing. And because of who Jesus is and what he's done at the cross and how he defeated the power of sin and the power of death, we have this confidence. And, and this confidence is so important for us. And, and uh, in Ephesians 1, this was the scripture reading. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. This is something you have to take in deep, deep, deep. In your heart. The Hebrews 10, 14 verse that I read to you. I want to read it out of the message paraphrase because I love this. Hang on, I'm going to scroll here on my notes. It says this. So what Jesus did at a cross, and here's the reference, was a perfect sacrifice by a perfect person to perfect some very imperfect people. What Jesus has done gives us confidence here in the family of God. It's because of what Jesus has done has happened to us. And, and, and so we get this glory inheritance and, and by his incomparably great power for us who believe that power is the same uh, as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. 
In the heaven and earth connection plane. In this throne room of God. In the control room. All those things. And then he can almost has to get out the next thought in, in the next chapter. But it's right along with this thought. And so make this connection. So he's done this with Jesus by that power. Now what does he do? Because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him. In the heavenly realms. We're there now too in Christ. We're, we live in this tension, this connection between heaven and earth. The most holy place. Therefore, brothers and sisters, you have confidence to enter the most holy place. We have access to this, this overlap of heaven and earth. And when you get a hold of that, it will change the way that you process life. Because you act, it's somewhere you have access to. Heaven is not millions of miles away. There's overlaps. There's connections. There's things happening. I've told you that prayer is the, is the language of the overlap. It's how we live there. We, we live in the tension of both things. We're, we still have the, 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 the mess of the world going on, but we have access to the, the presence of God. Now, in ways that most people throughout history couldn't even imagine. But almost to the point of what it was like in the beginning and what we have coming when, when heaven comes down to earth, and earth is renewed and restored, and we get new physical bodies, and we begin again the way it's supposed to be. All of this is what's taking place in that passage. And when we get it, we're encouraged by it. Because there, in the, in the presence of God, everything is different. Problems that we face become opportunities for God to move. Do you, most of the time when we face a problem or a difficulty, what we do is we figure out how we're going to fix it, right? It takes a lot of energy. And then beyond that... We figure uh, out a thousand different options that we worry through about things that we might do. And yet we don't have to do that. See, we could, God is the one who takes it. God can do things we can't imagine. I think sometimes it's good when you, when the, I gotta be careful how I say this, but sometimes when it's such a big problem that you can't figure out how to solve it, it's almost a relief. It's like, yeah, that's way, that's so far over my pay grade, God, you gotta take care of this one. And yeah, he really wants to do that with everything. And so we need to sort of learn to press into that. Because when we live in that space, we'll be encouraged. And when we're encouraged, we'll encourage others. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place. I don't have time to do by the blood of Jesus this week. So I'm going to do it next week. Because that's going to take a whole message at least. The blood of Jesus. Wow, I could just go right now. (laughs) Look. Practically, that's what this looks like. I want, my hope is that the word comes alive for you. And it's not a chore. It's like, oh, I can't wait to see what's going to happen when I dig in today. I'm going to think about this passage. Think about this Hebrews 10, 19, 25 passage. Get involved if you have questions. Go to the Encourager training thing. Press in. Let it open up before you. And and memorize it. Hang out with it. That's what we're going to do. All right. Kids are coming in and I need to be done. But that's good. I've talked through it. Blood of Jesus next week. Well, some cool stuff there, right? Okay. No more hints. <laughs> but I'm sure we'll be talking about the Exodus, though. All right. Passover lamb. Oh, so, okay. Never mind. Um, <laughs> communion. Oh, no. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> it all starts with Jesus, though, guys. See, without Jesus, but, but we connect to his story. He invites us in. How do you do it? Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? That's where it starts. It's just like that. It's, it's responding to the invitation. 
with that prayer. We, we believe in our heart, confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. If you've never done it, do it now. Best decision you'll ever make. Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? That changes everything. Thank you, church, for your amazing generosity. You're awesome to partner with. Love you so much. And uh, thank you for being faithful. You're giving, you're offering, you're tithing, all those cool things. Let's sing the doxology because the kids are back there and they want to come running down. So here we go. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. Have a great day. Thanks for coming. Catch some fish. Hope your team wins. See you later. Bye. God bless everybody. Thanks for watching online. We'll, uh, we'll be connecting soon. Read those passages, uh, that, those verses in Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. Dig in. Really cool stuff. Blood of Jesus next week. Bye. These doors are open for you over here so you can hang out this way.